right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Bluminati podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Joining alongside me is Seth Varnador. Uh, Seth, we're doing a little two-man weave, a little pick and roll action, a little uh, a little high-low, a little Tyler Harris, uh, Russ Chua action here uh, this evening with Stieg out. Um, we got a jam-packed show for you all tonight. Uh, we got you know, basketball can be fun. We've got uh, 2024 football commit. We've had, uh, what, a half dozen 2026 offers. I think these guys are, what's, math is hard, sophomores, rising sophomores, if that's how that works. Yes. 23 are seniors now. So, yeah. 24 are juniors. 24, no, they're, yeah, rising sophomores. So, yeah, they're, 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 techn- they're technically freshmen still. Um, and we're a week away from the late signing period. It, just a whole bunch of stuff going on. Oh, and we know the date of the spring game. And there's Pro Bowls in the in the conference championships with a chance to win the Super Bowl. There, so there's just a bunch going on, man. Yeah, who said there's nothing to talk about this week there, when it came to football? I don't know. Maybe the person who's not on the show. Hmm. Mm. Listen, well, well, he gets well. one. We give him one little show. He gets the roundup. Yeah, he, with Vito, he, and then he refuses to come on. He's yeah. getting mentioned by the Fowler Avenue Collective. It's he, he may be growing too big for us. Though. Yeah, we we're gonna. We're, I'm actually just gonna have someone to replace him, seeing as I replaced him with you, and then I replaced him with Morgan, and just a whole. Just a whole, we we've got to find someone else to. Uh, replace him i mean he's he's getting too big we need to find a new fozzy bear so uh i gotta say uh heath is in the chat he did an excellent job on the roundup he could slide right in there i think and maybe even take us to another level he had great energy yeah absolutely i mean as a former usf cheerleader you better have energy you better have you better have it going on and heath in more ways than one has it going on that's a2 sure. heath that's what steeg might say yeah. in the future yeah, yeah. So uh, let's let's get into let's do some Pro Bowls in the NFL. So this past weekend, division championship games, uh, lots of stuff going on. MVS for the Kansas City Chiefs caught a touchdown. It looked like I was lagging. I'm not sure if I am or not. So we'll we'll find out. I think you're good. Doing a little okay, robot good. there for a second. Uh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, if I have to turn it off the camera, I will. If it turns the into MBS a one man show, it's, if it turns into a one man show, it's going to get really, really dry. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll try. We'll try. Um, and then on the practice squad for the Kansas City Chiefs is uh, Chris Oladokun, who technically is a South Dakota State grad, but uh, we will forever claim him. Uh, and also on the practice squad for the Chiefs is former USF center and Super Bowl winning center, Austin Ryder. He is on the practice squad as well for those Kansas City Chiefs who host the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. And lo and behold, there's another former bull on the Bengals, tied in Mitchell Wilcox, who uh, was underutilized at USF to uh, put it politely. 
and then has honestly worked his way up from practice squad guy to special teams guy. And now he is, it seems like he's firmly tied in number two behind Hayden Hurst. I think that's the guy's name, right? Yeah, Hayden Hurst. He had a catch yes. last he had a catch uh he had a catch last week. He's in there. He, the fact that he survived the long snap fiasco, whatever that was, shows that he's <laughs> yeah. probably providing some value, right? So Yes, that was uh, yes. That uh, was uh, didn't know if he's going to make it through that one, but he's still here. Yeah, that was that was something else, man. Uh, to the adversity that he's had in his football career to still keep going and providing value for seemingly, I mean, one of the four best teams in the NFL is a remarkable. I do remember last season when CJ Uzuma. Uh, the guy who went to the Jets, I can't remember. I can't remember how to pronounce his last name. Um, Zama, maybe. Yeah, Zama. Uh, he went out with an injury, and on one of their last drives against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, he was one of the lead blockers on that final drive that helped uh, the Bengals either ice it or win. It. I just I remember he was heavily involved, and it seems like he's just his role has expanded up there in Cincinnati. Uh, so good luck to those those four gentlemen. Uh, as they attempt to win a Super Bowl. Uh, Ryder is the only one with a Super Bowl ring, so the other three um, potentially have a shot at their at their first. Mitch has been in the Super Bowl. Um, and so, I mean, that's, that's pretty I, cool. It's pretty cool. It is really, really awesome. Ryder's been in two. He's going for his third. Um, you know, unfortunately, the Bucs uh, beat that ass in the, in the 2021 Super Bowl. Uh, so... He could not get one there, but um, all all four dudes are, are fantastic people, fantastic amb- ambassadors to USF. Um, I talk to Chris uh, occasionally, just kind of checking in on him, and uh, he loved his time at USF. Just unfortunate it didn't work out. And the funny thing is, uh, what also the other quarterback on the practice squad for the Chiefs is Shane Shell, who. Uh, if any, if you guys know any, Jamie Shell is uh, still loved him at Uh There's that. I for some reason my stream just popped up, so I don't know what happened. You're good, you're good now. I don't know. You were talking about. Uh, I think you're saying Sterling loved Shane Buchel at Texas, so maybe they can. Swap yes, stories. absolutely loved him. Yes, absolutely loved him. Um, what was so. As an aside, like my the Steam um, app just opened up and just started updating by itself. So I don't know. I don't know what happened, but uh, Sounds hopefully great it's now. okay. Um, okay, good, 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 perfect. Um, yeah, and then I mean, Mitch has always been one of the probably one of the best uh, best guys to promote USF at the NFL level outside of maybe. Uh, MVS who actually has a literal USF tattoo on him. So um, there it is. Um, moving so, on, I mean, guaranteed. I know in the chat, I know there's a guaranteed man for I th- almost every single year, right? It's been, I think there's only been one season where there hasn't been someone. Um, last year was Mitch and the year before that was JPP and Austin Ryder. Uh, I think 2020 is, I can't even remember. No, Austin Ryder that year too. I don't even, 
maybe 2019. It's been almost, uh, it's like 10 of 11 years. There's been at least one Super Bowl, uh, at least a USF grad in the Super Bowl, which is uh, pretty remarkable given um, the state of USF for a large chunk of that time. Like Austin Ryder didn't see a winning season until he got to the NFL. Um, and I think if you asked anybody who covered USF during that time period, you thought there's no way in hell Austin Ryder's making it in the NFL as a center. Turns out he was a Super Bowl winning starting center. So look what we know. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, let's let's get crackalacking on some other stuff. Um, pretty big recruiting weekend coming up uh, for the Bulls for this 2023 slash starting of kicking off the 2024 class. There's uh first of all, it's Gasparilla and they're having a come to the Bay day on Saturday, which I mean, as Steve pointed out on, on Twitter uh, this week, like impeccable timing, what better way to showcase your city than yeah. on Gasparilla, maybe just av- avoid South Tampa. But other than that, <clears throat> yeah, really, I'd say it's really interesting how they've chosen to kind of break up. So a lot of teams are doing junior days over multiple weekends. It, they've seemingly broken it up into two kind of sections. Where this past weekend, uh, they had a few official visitors, and we'll talk about those guys in a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, those names are in our Discord before they were anywhere else, I believe. Uh, so if you want to know who's visiting, get in our Discord. And if you're on, if you're watching us on Twitch, subscribe, send it to the house account, and we'll get you in there so you can get that inside info. But um, in addition to those three, at least three official visitors uh, that we know of, they had a bunch of 2024 kids in there, and it seems like they had it where they had a lot of local kids this past week and they you've seen if you've been following goalish or any of the um, social media accounts you've seen two different hashtags they seem to be using a lot one is stay in the bay and so this past weekend was bay day and so i think they had a lot of local kids there a lot of 2024s and then as you said this weekend is i come i think the hashtag has come to the bay and so they're going to have a lot of uh guys that are more non-local guys, so guys from outside of the area come in for their junior day. I thought it was really interesting how they're breaking that up, especially with how we know um, one complaint often from local coaches that they don't get enough emphasis put on the local schools. Well, they basically got their whole weekend to themselves, it seems like. So I I thought that was a pretty good tool uh, and a pretty good way to break it down. It shows some uh, some thinking and some thought being put into how this recruiting thing's done. And and you mentioned earlier, they're already throwing out offers of 2026, 2025, and they're having 2024s on campus. So one thing you always worry about when a new staff comes in is are they going to focus all on this first class and try to get these guys in? And then will that make them fall behind in future classes? Well, this group's done a really good job of kind of understanding what they need in this class, getting it and then moving on to future classes so they don't fall behind there. So, so far, you'd have to feel pretty good uh, about the recruiting structure, at least, under the new staff. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as as we kind of touch on some of the offers that have been going out, uh, USF got a commitment, uh, yes, Monday? Sunday, uh, my, Sunday or Monday? Um, I, think it was, I think it was Monday. Monday uh, from Hillsborough High School. Uh, running back uh, Jaquez Gibson. Uh, he's a 2024 guy, local kid. Um, his 
film was pretty good. Uh, I mean, from from the late, I'll let Seth talk about his film, but it seemed like it, he kind of jumped out of the screen and was uh, pretty shifty and quick, uh, given what he's a he's a, a junior at this point. Yes, he's a twenty tape. Yeah, twenty twenty four kid. Um, played. Uh, I think he had about almost a thousand yards this year at Hillsborough, but he he didn't have a ton of carries, so he was pretty productive. Played a little receiver too. There's some he had some highlights where he's playing slot, but they get the ball to him in that way as well. He did a pretty good job there. Um, looking at track times, not crazy elite speed, but that could be something that you know that can kind of that can kind of improve quite a bit in one off season, especially with the younger guys running track. Sometimes those are just really because you don't know how to run track because you're young and you haven't run it a ton. Um, but on film, there's not a lot of people catching him from behind. Uh, seems to have pretty good vision. Um, like I said, has some ability to catch the ball as well at a, at a, what's been a traditionally really good program. I think that's, um, you know, definitely a good get in that 2024 class to be your second guy in that class. I know they signed or not signed, but they have a commitment from, uh, I believe it's Marcellus Tate quarterback Jacksonville. He's your second one, first one in the Bay Area, so you can kind of get the ball rolling there. And he's a guy they offered this past weekend when he came to their junior day. So, obviously, they made a really good impression on him. And um, and I'll pull it up here, but even though it's a 2024 commitment, that's a long way out, commitments are really good. And this is going to kind of sound like a no-duh, but commitments are really good indicators of where people are going to sign, even this, even this far out. And I'm going to pull up uh, a graph. Uh, real quick, Nate, if you could vamp for a second. Yeah, no, absolutely. Find and, this. and it kind of, I think it kind of led into the conversation because um, he did tweet out today that, you know, his recruitment's still open. Uh, so he, he retweeted that on Tuesday. There's still not that much variation. I will say I, I'm a little bit more concerned about Tate jumping ship because uh, he's he's been offered by Coastal. I think he was up at Coastal. Um but uh, just because, you know, Travis Trickett, Sawyer uh, Jordan, those guys were recruiting him here. And listen, for all the amount of times that you, you try to tell a recruit or uh, the outside world tries to tell a recruit, uh, commit to the school, not the coach. Eh, yeah, it's not really how that works sometimes. And it it's completely understandable. I mean, you make a good, solid relationship with your position coach and offensive coordinator or potential offense coordinator and position coach. You kind of want to see that through uh, because that's the relationship you built and you don't really know what the next guy really wants from a quarterback. And I'll ask you uh, this Seth, that you kind of, I'll ask you after you kind of break down, what what are we looking at? What's, what's the data points? What what are we trying to figure out here? Okay. So this is a a graph or or a little date of, data here that's been put together by j bud at j bud davis on twitter really good follow for general recruiting he does uh, a lot of florida stuff too so i've interacted with him on that side of it but he does a ton of really good stuff on recruiting and how you know he's got a great graph on you know getting the the final official visit and you know what how often does that turn into a signing but this is uh you can see at the top at what rates do commits, official visits, and decommits turn into signings? So you can see for commits, and it, it actually gets higher as 
the recruit rank gets lower, right? So when lower ranked kids commit, they usually stick a little bit more than the higher rank. That makes sense, right? Because there's a lot of competition for those higher ranked guys. And we've seen like with NIL and things like that. This doesn't include the NIL era really, but that makes sense just logically. But you can see here this data from 2019, 2020, and 2022. Basically, if once you if you get a kid to commit, you've got about an 80% chance or more of keeping him. So even though it's very far out, the fact that he's you got him to commit gives you a great chance to retain. Uh, and it, depending on where he comes out in the cycle in terms of rankings, you know, where if he's, you know, like a middle of the pack guy, you know, that, that percentage goes up. And as you get further back, it goes higher. So you'd have to feel like you've got a good, now that you've got him committed, you may lose him, but the chance you lose him is, is very low uh, comparatively to keeping him. You know, you probably you got about a twenty percent chance of losing him and eighty percent chance of keeping him based on prior data. Now, this isn't uh, a huge sample, but it's a decent enough one just to kind of see some trends. So, um, I think that's interesting. The Tate one will be one to watch. Like you said, he committed to the prior staff, kept his commitment. Does that kind of go? I wonder how that would change here. I don't know if that's factored in. Um, but you can see if you have basically if you get him to official visit as well, I think you got him. You got it pretty much locked up down the line. But those are things that can change as time goes on. But I did think it was interesting just to see. I think a lot of people are worried that hey, this is a really early commit, especially with the, my recruitment still open. But I, I think you're going to see that now as time goes on, is where guys will commit early. And kind of play, see what their op, see what kind of happens to their options. Especially, there's players have a lot more power now with the NIL. If you're going to be a really good player, you've got a lot more power uh, in terms of uh, negotiating. So you can mm -hmm. do that. But I still think this will hold pretty true that getting a commit is pretty important. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if this plays out with um, Jacquez or not. But yeah, I do want to ask you about uh, with. Tate Seth um as we kind of mentioned you know he was recruited by Travis Trickett he's at a different place he Trickett's trying to recruit him up to coastal um what as a as a former quarterback as a former college coach mm -hmm. how much stock do you put in uh maybe if as if you're a new staff coming in and you have a quarterback commit like how much stock do you put in to the previous staff's evaluation of that quarterback and like, how do you kind of go about assessing, okay, maybe we need to talk to him about maybe decommitting, going, finding somewhere else because you're just not a fit for what we're trying to do. What, what, what's the process? Cause it seems like other positions may be a little bit more fluid in the fact that eh, you can kind of plug and play at a lot of spots, but at quarterback, you kind of want to have your guy that is tailored for your system to make things work because i mean you know as well as anybody uh quarterback can make or break a an offense or or a team here yeah uh, first thing you got to do is make your own evaluation right so you you, you go in now they, this may be a guy that they have evaluated at previous places uh, i'm sure uh you know the quarterbacks coach gordon he may have evaluated him at iowa state or seen something from him there when he was there because this is a guy that could be kind of in that range i would imagine so you may have some evaluations on staff of him, but if not, you probably I think probably one of the first things you want to do when you get on campus 
is start evaluating guys that are committed already. Uh, I'm sure they did that in the 23 class, and you saw kind of guys leave the class. Um, you know, I, I know I'm not sure how many of those were mutual decisions, how many of those were the recruits' decisions, just based on comfort. Uh, but you want to evaluate those guys you have committed early, the ones that the ones that you want to retain. You just got to go pitch. Hey, this is I know you committed to the previous staff. This is what we're trying to do. We think you'll fit like this. And but like you said, if it's not, if you don't feel like it's a fit, you just say, you just got to be honest and say, hey, we don't think you're a fit. We're not. You know that offer was from the old staff. Um, you might want to start looking other places. I, I think you just have to be honest. But it seems like that with Tate, they've re-offered. Uh, and he seems to be steady right now. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But one thing that will be really interesting to watch with this group is that this, in theory, especially before they've played a game, is a really fun offense to play in. So you, you'd imagine, you know, if you're Tate and you're like, oh, man, I'm committed here. I really like what Trickett was doing. You're probably a little worried. And then they hire Tennessee's offensive coordinator. You might be thinking, Oh, this is awesome. Like, I'll, deal. I'll play in that. You know, I already, I already like the school. That's an, I like that system. I'd be able to throw the ball all over the place. Great. So, uh, you know, I, this, this is one of those things where they seem to be right now. See, everything seems to be going forward as previously planned. But yeah, you, the, the, those are the ones that I wonder when you think about that graph we just looked at. Those are the kind of ones that, how often do those stick where the coach, coaching change has been made? I would imagine it's quite a bit less. And I think you're seeing that with uh, another prospect, USF's after Drew Perez out in South Lake Carroll was a Colorado commit. Dion came, or Coach Prime, I'm sorry, came <laughs> in and basically said, hey, <laughs> no, we're not honoring these. So you go find something else. So you're you're seeing that. But I think as long as you're honest with the kid, there's no harm, no foul. Um you may run afoul of some high school coaches if you wait too long, but with a 2024 kid, I, I think that's just part of the game and you just got to let them know. But it seems like they're both uh, on board with each other. So we'll see how it ends up. Yeah. And I, I'm curious how the, the staff will kind of go about making sure uh, they don't want to burn a bridge at, at that high school, right? You kind of mentioned like the, the high school coaches, they they can get um extra in their feelings about how having um a, a guy get kind of left out in the breeze. And I think you'll see that I think it happens toward the end of uh, the national signing period. A lot of coaches, uh, you know, that a lot of players get processed out maybe right before signing day and you're like, Oh, what, what are we doing here? Um, I want to kind of go toward, we're I guess less than a week away at this point from national signing day. Um, they had some pretty, pretty top notch visitors, uh, over the, over the past weekend. Uh, it seems like there may be some, some movement, uh, as we head toward February 1st, a couple guys may be committing, may not. What, what are you, what have you seen? What I know, Steeg and, and Sean have done a great job in the Discord. What's kind of been that process as we kind of get toward, uh, you know, National Signing Day here? Yeah. So 
we'll talk. Let's we can talk about the three guys that we were pretty sure they had on campus. We've seen um, these are names that we had over the weekend. Uh, I know Sean and Steve kind of knew a couple. Uh, they were able to get one of the other ones, and now pictures have come out, so you've kind of seen those guys on campus. Uh, two receivers, you got Jaquan Smith from California, Aquan Dunbar uh, from Kansas, actually. Dunbar is a 6'5", 220-pound receiver is what he was listed at. Um, he may be a replacement for the JUCO receiver Montgomery that uh, released the top five that USF was not in. So it looks like they might. They looks like they probably want one more big-bodied receiver uh, to kind of fit. And Jaquan Smith is not that, but he is exceptionally explosive. So um, if you throw on his tape, he looks like he's moving at a a different speed than everybody else, and he is. He's a ten five hundred meter guy. Uh, to put that in perspective, Jimmy Horn was the ten six hundred meter guy. So faster than Jimmy Horn on the track. Um, has got some big time offers put out. I think he put out a top three or kind of who he was going to be deciding for signing day. And I, I believe it was Washington, Utah, and USF. Um, he may be a silent commitment. I'm not positive, uh, but he was visited on the weekend and there was a come to the bay bat signal put out by Goalish. He would be a big get. Other possibility there is Desirio Riles who's kind of a big athlete from Jacksonville. Uh, I know he was looked at earlier in the cycle by Florida at linebacker. Uh, I think Stieg said he thought he might be an edge. I think ECU is recruiting him as a tight end, and he had a visit to ECU before USF and uh, really liked his visit, but came to USF last weekend. I'm not sure if he's still going. He had a scheduled visit to Indiana, so that's kind of one to watch because last OVs really get um, – it's a big help in getting that signing. Uh, so if he makes that trip to Indiana, that's going to be tough to overcome. But um, there was some thought that maybe that one doesn't happen. So if that happens, I think you're in a dogfight. If not, you feel pretty good if you're USF. Um, we'll we'll try to get Stieg and Sean on maybe next week, the day before, or – and try to get Riles is a guy that's not signing on signing day. So um, I think he's signing a week later, maybe Smith, I believe is signing on signing day. And then you also made the top five for drew Perez, a big tackle from South Lake Carroll in Texas. He was the one we mentioned earlier that was committed to Colorado. When coach prime came in, that thing got uh, nixed. And so he's released the top five. USF was in it. Uh, I know they've been out to see him. And if you were in the Discord, you saw us trying to figure out where in the world is Alex Golish. Is he at <laughs> is he at a California in and out, or is he at a Texas in and out? Because that would uh, that would kind of determine wh- who he was visiting. Was he visiting Jaquan Smith after his visit, or was he going out to see Drew Perez in Texas? Shockingly, a lot more in and outs near Drew Perez than there were near Jake Juan Smith in San Bernardino, California. So I thought that was that was interesting. But uh yeah, no, I pretty good weekend, I think, in terms of quality. If you can pull two of those three guys, you'd feel pretty happy. Um one to three, I think, is still good. We'll see where they go. Um, but we can try to get 
next week, maybe get Steve and Sean on as we get closer to see. Mm-hmm. They can probably put a pretty good percentage on where they think guys are going to end up. I think right now, Riles and Smith are the two guys you think you would think USF may have the best chance with of that group. Uh, but again, are they going to get Riles' last visit? That that's I think that's pretty important in this one. But um, definitely had some quality guys on campus this past weekend. I think so. I think you're you you mentioned uh, the other options for Jaquan Smith. I mean, those are no slouch, slouches, right? Like Washington's very very good. I think what Michael Penix is coming back this year. Uh, I think he's got one more somehow. I think he's on his eighth eighth year uh, somehow. And then uh, Utah was the Pac-12 champions. Um, so the, no slouch either. So, uh, I think it's really good sign that, you know, USF is starting to compete with some of these guys. I think what Golish has done and that staff has done in what basically, um, I guess going on two months at this point to salvage and get some interesting pieces for this 2023 class and then kind of set up for the future and the trajectory of where they want recruiting to go. Uh, while they're here is uh, good, but again, all the offseason stuff doesn't really matter. Just won a freaking game, and I think he knows that. I'll say that the, the former coach also knew that it just never happened. To put it nicely, <laughs> what was that? Mm. So, um, I will say, let's uh, coach on. This is going to be a pretty pretty good segue. All right. Bear with me. So on Saturday, um, Coach Golis met with season ticket members at the Yaling Center and announced, let them know that the spring game will be uh, April 14th at Corbett, um, mostly because Taylor Swift has three nights of concerts at Ray J. So mm. Ray J is out of the the question so there you go she don't want to do halftime i mean (laughs) you want to talk about okay i understand if you don't stream it if you get taylor swift performing halftime that's i mean that's fan appreciation right there Hmm. is it the 14th is the 14th a friday is it i don't know i was from what i understood it was Oh, then 15th. Sorry. Wait, maybe it's the 14th. Oh, tech, tech stick. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. I see this is. No, I'm, I'm seeing April 14th. Um, so here we go. Friday out of the ballpark. Yeah, it's it's a it's a Friday. That's. So. That's Friday interesting. Night would be interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm. <laughs> I, I hope they stream it because there's a halfway decent chance I will be at Ray J for the Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> um, so uh, good luck to you on that one. Hopefully they stream it so I can watch it back. Um, but that's unfortunate for sure. Ugh. Yeah, didn't think that through. Mm. I Oh, man. If it's at noon on a Friday, man, I would great. love that. That'd be the yeah. funny. Oh, man, that'd be so funny. That'd be great at noon on Friday. That'd be excellent. Take the day off. Well, let's not get carried away. 
I mean, at least if they stream it, you Those can at least kill you can kill your afternoon at work. You know? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, PTO days are precious, Seth. <laughs> I'm not wasting a PTO day for a spring game. <laughs> oh, hey, man. I will. <laughs> I mean, if you're hard up, I guess if you if you got the PTO, then screw it. I guess. Um, but they don't, they don't roll over. They don't. Um, the the transition is uh, later on Saturday. USF men's basketball beat the absolute living shit out of Central Florida men's basketball. That Reed Creek country fucking terrible ass basketball team got absolutely decimated. By Tyler Harris dropping a career high 33 points. He had seven rebounds, which tied a career high or seven assists that tied a career high, six assists that tied a career high. Just absolutely decimated them. Uh, the Bulls shot lights out in the first half uh, behind the arc and uh, really kind of gave Central Florida fits. And then Central Florida realized that they're actually a trash ass school and just stopped playing basketball. You saw halfway through the second half when Central Florida knew that, oh, the shit's over. There's no chance. Um, that was a, just a phenomenal environment to be sitting in. Um, the slow, the slow, so flow wrote, man, the tongue twisters. So flow rodeo. Um, that's one thing that I think athletics has done right. They, uh, I, I don't even care that they had to outsource it get people in the freaking building and it was loud. The second deck was full. Um, that was, uh, that was an experience. Um, that was a fun, that was a fun, fun night, uh, fun afternoon, I guess. So the game was at noon, um, for a lot of fans. And I, I was, I kind of mentioned in the discord on, I think it was on Saturday when I was parking the normal parking lot I go to for media parking, it was full. Uh, they, I had to go to a different parking lot, which was uh, uh, interesting and hadn't happened in, in quite some time. I think the last time I had to park that far away was uh, my graduation. Uh, so that was eight, that was uh, eight years ago. So uh, that was really, really fun. Um, Tumble, right? Yeah. Yeah. I graduated. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, um, but Here's the thing, like we, we, and by we, I mean, uh, me and Steak have absolutely crapped on this team for good reason for large swaths of the year, right? They start own five. They were absolutely terrible to start the season, losing to just God awful teams. And then uh, maybe the last month or so they played pretty decently. They've thrown up on themselves a couple of times. Blew a blew a ten point lead. Uh, had Houston on the ropes. Blew that. Like there, there's been times where they just absolutely vomited all over themselves. And yet they beat the crap out of ECU's terrible. And then they get absolutely smacked by Cincinnati on Wednesday. And you're thinking, all right, you just you got beat by 15 plus versus Cincinnati at home. And now two days later, you've got a go face your rival who has pretty much pwned you for the last seven years outside of that one miracle last season where you Javon green got hot and you beat them by 25. Uh, it just has not been good for men's basketball. And mind you, this was the third game in six days for USF. So they 
were kind of running on fumes. And uh, Tyler Harris said it post game probably best. He said BG told them good's not going to be good enough. You need to be great today, otherwise they're not going to have a shot. And and he took that to heart. And boy, when I tell you that the money spent on him and Keyshawn Bryant were worth it, boy, let me tell you, they are phenomenal. There was one dunk early in the first half that Keyshawn, he nearly tomahawked it in. He got fouled and they went one or two from the line. But if he had late, if he had gotten that one down, I think the, the roof would have collapsed. Like it was remarkable. Yeah, it's funny how how much of an impact uh, NIL can have in basketball, right? Just because of the smaller roster size. You get a couple guys, you can really turn it. My question for you is, right, there seems to be some a lot more positivity surrounding the basketball team. Uh, seems to be a lot more good surrounding the men's basketball team. Is it enough, right? I think I think Steak may have publicly fired Brian Gregory on one of these shows. <laughs> Just like he did with tennis, just like he did with the tennis coach last year, and then they went on, they got hot and went on a run. Two questions: uh, Does Steve have like reverse jinx powers? And then, second question: Is the reverse jinx that's been happening in men's basketball enough to keep Brian Gregory in a job for another year, or keep in him in the USF job for another year? Um. So, I mean, it's well documented my reverse jinx proudness. I got Coco Montes to the major leagues. I, I got David Villar to the major leagues. I am a hundred percent like I will take full credit. They're they're talented. It was me pushing them over the edge that got them to the, the MLB to where they, they are today. Uh Steak's power of firing a coach and them actually being turning out to like not be as terrible is pretty good. I wish he would have fired Jeff Scott like 14 times last year. Maybe we would have seen a That's difference. True. So he was hesitant. He was very hesitant. So maybe he even knows that that you know sometimes you know great power, great responsibility, sort of sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So he has to pick and choose the spots. Um, does he last the year? Does he make it to next season? I guess. Well, what does he have to? How long does this uh, positivity have to continue all the way through the end of the year? What do you think they got to get to record wise for him to keep going? You got to be near 500 in the conference, and you've got to win a game in the tournament. You got to win a game in the conference tournament. You can't you can't go one and out in the in the tournament uh, this year, especially with <sighs> there aren't very many great teams. You saw Temple beat Houston uh, over the weekend, and USF plays te- at Temple uh, tomorrow um, on Wednesday. On I think it's I think it's on ESPN Plus tomorrow. Um, so it's you just you can't just be terrible you can't be terrible and crap the bed all the time you've got to win some of the closer games like these were their last two wins ECU and UCF they were blowout wins I want do it when the game's tight don't screw it up and that's been Brian Gregory's um, issue I think over the last few years as he's kind of gacked away some of these close games and it 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 eventually it'll it will cost him a job if it even if it continues to happen in the same ways um so we'll see you get uh temple temple on the road they're a six-point underdog and then on sunday you're at smu um 
Temple's 12 and 9, and then SMU's 7 and 13. Like the conference is not that great this year. Uh, You've got Houston, Memphis is halfway decent, Uh, Cincinnati's pretty good. But other than that, like Tulsa's not good, ECU's not good, SMU, uh, Wichita is a little up and down, Central Florida's clearly not good. Uh, Tulane's a little frisky, but you're two and five in the conference. If you can hover around 500, I think you've got a decent chance to at least keep your job because BG's recruiting the crap out of this place. Like Sam Hines is a good player. Keyshawn Bryant, Tyler Harris is a good player. And Brian Conwell is a great freshman to have around. Uh, Rush Chua turning into a walking 12 points, eight rebounds a night kind of guy is something I didn't expect. That's been that's been the most impressive part is he, the way he's improved. I was looking at it today. Uh, Russ is shooting 60% from the field, and that's about 14% higher than he was last year. And he's just he's just been more effective. So you you've got to see that it's um the offense is so much better than it has been under Brian Gregory almost ever. I uh, kind of talked about it. I think it was Will Turner asked him about the comparisons of maybe some of the better offenses that he's had while at USF. And he kind of mentioned the CBI tournament team. He's like, yeah, that was a good offensive team, but it was mostly sparked by the defense. I think this team this year, this year's version of USF basketball offensively is a lot more fluid. They have better shooters. Um, it was a, more transition points with the, that previous team. I think I, I think I read somewhere that they they're one of the best teams in terms of uh, like points per game. And now it's not the perfect measure, but uh, in terms of improvement in that area on offense, so uh, that seems to track right. And it, is that how much does that help even when losing? That it seems to be a little more easy on the eyes this year than it has in past years. Yeah, it, it, I think so as well. Um, I think if you had asked us after the first five games when they were averaging like <laughs> under like 60 points a game, you're like, now nah, this is the same old thing. Yeah. But you've seen the progression. Like Tyler Harris, is a he's gone for 30 twice in the last four games. Like the dude can put up points. Rush 2 has a 20-point game. These guys, uh, I think Sorrell Smith has a, like a 20, 25-point game. Uh, or Selton Miguel. Um, like there's – there's good, there's talent here. It's, it's the close, it's the close, you got to figure out the close games. And that's when they, that's when they clam up when teams start pressing and then you, you get sped up on offense and now you're not, you're not doing the right thing. You're not making the right pass. I think on Saturday, if you guys watch the game, they were doubling Russ in the post almost immediately. And he was able to make the right pass and get the ball back around, swing it around, find an open shot. When you're pressing and you get sped up, you're not making that the right pass, the right extra play. There was a moment um, in the second half on Saturday. It was uh, Corey Walker Jr. was uh, basically in the right corner, basically in front of USF's bench. And he makes a three, and it's the one that bounces off the rim and then goes in. And it's like, okay, you you got some ball luck this time. For the first time in probably like 10 years, USF got some (laughs) – got some uh, a good bounce at the yingling center uh brian gregory said post game he's like yeah i turned around because i thought he missed it and then everybody started cheering he's like oh okay great 
Um, <laughs> he's like started, you know, prepping for defenses that are making the transition. Uh, but that play is set up because they double Russ. He gets it out. They make a pass, and then they make the extra pass to Corey in the corner. And you get you get an open look, and he he hits it. It's those things. If you can continue to do that consistently, this team is so much better. It's when they get sped up, when Tyler Harris gets into foul trouble, when he's not on the floor, and you have the younger guys kind of running the offense. What do they do? And that was. The perk of having LaQuincy Redu and, and David Collins uh, in the back backcourt for so long is they never really got sped up. They made the right decisions even when they were getting pressed, and you haven't really found that solid piece. I think Tyler Harris is that piece, but you've if he's off the floor for you know, he I think he I think he was off the floor for like four minutes in the first half. He played like 37 minutes on Saturday. So that three-minute stretch, it's like, okay, don't lose the game here. Just maintain. They were able to do that in the first half. If you can consistently do that, find that second guy in the backcourt. It's going to make the offense a lot better. Defensively, they they need to improve. They're the, they get stretched out a little bit, and it makes it easy for rim runs, back cuts, things like that. They did a really good job on Saturday cutting down on that sort of thing but i mean the offense is fun this year i'll i'll be the first to admit it's a it's a really fun offense i know this is a really long-winded answer for your question but uh i love fun offense i love fun basketball and this is the offense at least is fun basketball most of the time I think that's. I mean, it. I think for perception, it's important as somebody who's more a little more a lot more casual with basketball than I am with football. If I'm gonna watch a team lose, I'd much rather watch an up tempo, fast paced game where we've got some pretty good offense and maybe we lose in a shootout, rather than watch a slog. You know, four corners. You know, right. Virginia Dean Smith. You know, old <laughs> school basket. Like <laughs> I'd much rather watch up and down, uh, making a bunch of shots. That's a lot more, and even in a loss, that's a lot more fun than watching a slog, mm-hmm. which it seemed like you were getting the worst of both worlds of the past couple of years where you're getting a team that's not very good and they also were not very fun to watch. <laughs> so that's like a, the double whammy. How to kill your fan base in two two ways. It's, yeah, the, the lose a lot and then also don't be fun to watch. So, yeah. And I, I think so they're three, they're shooting 33% from three this season which doesn't sound great but when you shot 25 percent last year it's like you found it like it's you're now amazing at it and all you do is hit three so you're basically the splash brothers at this point when you're doing it that doing it that well um but man i i'll, I'll say this they bring so, on chip england in the offseason i mean good lord it was tyler here i i can't I can't undersell how important he is and I'm so sad. We only get him for one year. Um, and I know, um, AJD NPO asked Tyler Harris is the best USF men's basketball player since dot, dot, dot. Uh, I mean, Alexis yet. was pretty good. Um, Dominique Jones was really good for all the crap he got for not being able to hit a free throw and maybe a three pointer. I really liked seeing David Collins play. Um, but truly it's probably since Dominique, like this dude is, he will put a man on skates and hit a three in his eye and yet 
USF hasn't had that guy is it's been a long time. I remember I remember that NIT team with Dominique. That was a fun year. Um they had a lot more talent around Dom than the, than actually, but um I think I think it's Dom. I mean he's I, I he's hitting sh- shots from the horns out there. Yeah. He's he is not afraid to pull up from literally anywhere on the floor. And there were a couple heat check threes on Saturday that actually went in. And then there was one who was like, Oh, I'm feeling it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna chuck this. And he hit like the side of the rim. I'm like, ah, oh, that was just a heat check. I get it. Cause I think he hit the him and someone went like back to back to back on three pointers. And he was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm, I'm, I'm chucking this no matter where I am. And, uh, I love the confidence in the kid. I think he's, I think the season uh, record for threes made in a season is 88 and he's at 59 with a good chunk of the season left. I think there's a good chance he may, may shatter that record. Um, So, I mean, bully for him. Um, But yeah. Yeah. What when I tell you USF men's basketball has been terrible at three point shooting for their entire history of their <laughs> That's uh, program? I get it now. Yeah, it's like you can you can name the best three point shooters. I, I'm sure everybody would have the same ones. It's Reggie Cohn, uh, and the guy. I think it's I think it's uh, Dobris who actually has the record. Um. Do we do we want to consider Sean Noriega for this title? I'll I'll, I'll uh, leave that to the chat to decide if we want to add him to uh, potent three point shooters. Uh, Torlin Fitzpatrick was really good that one year, um, but yeah, USF mostly for the history of their program has been uh, defense and dunkers. That I would say, like that's basically it. So you're not going to see like 88 is really, really low. And like, a well, that's definitely 30, what works in modern years. basketball. <laughs> it's taken them a few years to catch up to like 2010, but we're here, baby. 13 years late. Wow. Oh, boy. Um, let's see. Well, to be fair, Noriega had some things going on when he played for Stan Heath. So there's that. Um, yes, because if they could shoot and do something else, they'd play somewhere else. That's exactly right. Uh, those typical 3 and D guys do not come to USF. If you get an athletic guy, and maybe he can hit a jumper every once in a while. Yeah, Derek Sharp, 88. Derek Sharp, yeah. 88, 88 for 224. 88 for 224. How sad is that? How depressing is that? And that's been that's a 30-year-old record. 91, 91, 92. That's a 30-year-old record. And it I doubt it's even come close to being touched in the last 30 years. Maybe Reggie Cohen, maybe, but pff, yikes. Um tell me about Melvin Buckley. Oh, the olds are gonna have to tell you about him. I couldn't couldn't tell you. This guy put up two twenty eight, two hundred twenty eight. I do know that made seventy nine. Former U.S. Uh, former 
Chamberlain High School men's basketball coach, boys basketball coach, uh, Doug Applin, put up 30 on Central Florida in a game when there was no three-point line. There you go. Uh, that's, that's big pretty, time. That's big time. Um, but from a team that hasn't been fun to watch typically to a team that's been very fun to watch over the last few years. Yes. Women's basketball. Also, if you missed the intro to the men's basketball section, beat the absolute dog shit out of central Florida on Sunday. And it was, it was so enjoyable. I loved every second of it. I wish I could drink it and then uh, throw it up and then drink it again. It was Mm -hmm. just an absolute decimation by Jose Fernandez and his team. I mean, I don't even know where to start with women's basketball. They are so much fun to watch. This is this is the most fun team I've seen play in quite a while. Uh, Lord willing, they don't hit that swoon that happened last year. For women's basketball, for some reason, everybody forgot how to shoot. But Elena, Sammy, Dulcie, all of them, the entire crew. I mean, Carla Brito, I think, went for like 13 or 14 uh, against Central Florida on Sunday. Like, as a true freshman, like, she's going to be incredible. Uh, Samu Puisis is just a, a dead eye from three. And I think she may, she may have the prettiest form on a three point shooter that I've seen, like men's or women's, in quite a while that's played at USF. Like, the, they are, it's so much fun. Um, the the chase for 30 is definitely intact. Uh, the chase for 28 is, uh, I mean, you, you've got to do it. This is so much fun. Uh, yeah, women not ranked in the AP. I think they're firmly at 28 uh, behind Texas, who they who USF has also already beaten this year, which makes no sense. But they are ranked 25th in the coaches poll this year, this week. So listen, let's talk about the AP poll real quick. Think how bad the AP poll is in college football, where these <laughs> people where people are really on the word. No offense to women's basketball. College football is quite a bit bigger, more popular, more accessible to watch. Think about how bad that poll is. The women's basketball poll is going to be bad. These, I, I think there's probably a lot of people voting that don't watch anything. There, That is uh, honestly fair. That is a true assessment. And, you know, if I had to vote, USF to be top 10. So I get it. There's, there's just some... Regional biases. There's some powerhouse biases. Yeah, I think there's. I'm sure there's some power conference bias. Even in, I'm. I'm sure there's some. Oh, you know what? The record's similar. They're in the Big Twelve. We'll put them ahead. Oh, they played earlier this year. Whatever. You know. Yeah. And I think the that I guess the knock on them is they lost to Ohio State in overtime, the third ranked team in the country. So, um. The interesting thing for me is uh, Middle Tennessee is ranked. They've only lost two games, but you look at like who they played, and that I don't, I don't understand that. Um, but again, trying to figure out the women's basketball poll is uh, an exercise in futility. Everybody who watches USF knows they are, as Colin puts, one of the best teams in the country. Uh, top fifteen, absolutely. They can play with anybody on any given night. And I posed this in, uh, I wasn't ready to put this in the Discord, so I, I put it in Slack on, I think it was on Sunday during during the game. 
it so is Dulcie better than Betty? I will let the crowd decide. Who would you, do or die game? Are you taking Betty or are you taking Dulcie? And I'll, I'll let I'll let y'all figure it out. But the, the the reason that sparked this is there was back-to-back possessions kind of late in the game-ish where Dulcie got basically they they ran like a pick and roll for her. she got positioning and was within like two feet of the basket in one second. She just turns around, lays it in, and it just kind of ended any threat of Central Florida even mounting a comeback from like 20 to like cut it to 15. They just blew it. They just blew it open. And then she has like a, a Euro step. She's so, like, you, you don't realize it. Like I, she was walking into the Yingling center or into Muma on Saturday. Uh, they had a walk around practice after the, after the men's game. And you don't realize like she is lanky and she is long and she uses that to her advantage. She's got this Euro step that, may or may not be illegal, but they never really call it because women's basketball refs are just as terrible as the women's voters. Like it, <laughs> I mean, that could be an entire different podcast uh, and show about how atrocious the refs are in women's college sports, ju- just in period The the quality of them are horrific, but she has a Euro step that is almost unbeatable uh, when she gets it. And uh, she, I mean, I think she's shooting 60% as well. And she's close to, I think it's 75% from the, from the line like that add in Elena's like 20 add in Sammy's 20 and you've got 55 points just walking into the gym. So I, 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 God, I love this team so much. They're so much fun to watch. I, I, I can't, I can't wait to see what they can do uh, going forward. Um, but and here, here's the thing that I, I think is kind of getting overlooked a little bit. Um, Ariel Wilson's been pretty steady at point guard. Uh, there was a a big question mark about what they were going to do um, when with the with the point guard position. And uh, well, I mean, we always do. Uh, but um, there was a big question mark about what they were going to going to do a point guard this season and she's been able to step in and uh be effective she's not a great shooter and she knows that but she's been able to effectively run the offense and not not get in the way too much which is probably the best way to put it let's see can you throw colin's comment up there i can I'll, i'll 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 read it for the because this podcasting, as you know, is a visual medium. Uh, they defended a high level. They have a shooter and Sammy, driver Elena, and post Dulcie. If they play a team that's huge, that's a problem. But there isn't a normal size team in the country they can't beat. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, so I think South Carolina would give them trouble. Yeah, the, the top tier teams will actually give them trouble. Um, I saw, I think it was Joe Linardi's, um, I think it was his. Whoever, whoever does the women's basketball bracketology, um, they've got USF as a six seed. They would play Duke in the second round. Um, which Charlie shit, Charlie Cream. Yep, there it is. Um, they played Duke in the second round. It, it, that's a winnable game. I mean, that's what's what. The, what's their seed ceiling, you think? Five. 
I think I think five, but that's got to be just be the conference is so bad this season, like atrociously bad. And there's only so much movement you can make. You've got to beat everybody like they have. I I don't think outside of Houston, which they nearly blew a 12 point lead in the fourth quarter. I don't think they have a conference win um, by fewer than 10 points outside of one. Um, so if you continue to do that, I think you may be able to bump up to a five. I think this team's too good to be a seven or an eight. And I think the people know, and it low is six, if they continue it, but they could get bumped to a five and that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. Well, they have to pretty much, they have to go, they have to win out. Right. I mean, that's, that's best case scenario. Win out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Best case scenario, you went out. Um, what do you think is likely? Do you think a six is likely, or do you think they'll end up? Because it seems to be every year they're 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 in contention for a higher seed, and it comes out to be a low seed, like Eric said in the chat here. Like it always, it always seems like you 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 have a great year. You're a nine seed. You're an eight seed. It, it, you get to play the first it's, round, the first right second round. Good luck. Um, if they end up a 10 or 13, 10 to 13 seed, and honestly, if they end up an eight seed, something went horribly wrong the back half of the season. So they've got three games left. They go, they're at Tulsa, uh, Wednesday. They're at Memphis on Saturday home for ECU on the 31st. And then they round out at SMU home for Houston at central Florida home for SMU home for Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa is pretty good. I know Tulsa lost to Tulane on Friday, Saturday, um, which kind of put a damper on Wednesday's game. But they're still a pretty good team. Uh, but USF's got to take care of business and win every went out and win every game. That's that's what they do. And uh, if you if you win by 15 plus every game, you could probably process up to a five, but no lower than six. A four is probably out of four is out of the room of possibility. You, they'd never get that high. All right. But I know we're absolutely stepping on the USF athletics roundup, but there was absolutely no way, Seth, that I was going this entire podcast without talking about those two games. Um, there's a, there's few things that make me as happy in life as you know it's like uh when I went to Disney a couple weeks ago uh Brody's first time Olivia's first time since the pandemic seeing their face when they saw the the castle like made me giddy absolutely ecstatic uh seeing Olivia's face when she rode Space Mountain for the first time um seeing Samantha walk down the aisle um at our wedding, seeing that my kids be born, but right up there. And I mean, right up there is when USF beats the absolute dog shit out of that team in Oviedo. And I love it. It made, it made my weekend. I had such a good weekend and uh, I hope they continue to do it the rest of the year and then never play them again. They also got a, I think they gave them a bagel in hockey as well. It was a beat. It was a beat down all weekend. It was uh, hockey. Uh, the, the club hockey team won ten nothing, uh, and then ten nothing and nine nothing, or something like that. Yeah, they they lost twice uh, over the weekend to to nice. USF. So, um, super solid week. Plus, uh, coed 
cheerleading. Basically, it's been a that VH1 best week ever. Third <laughs> segment at Central Florida had just literally the worst week the ever. Worst week, yeah. Like you lost to your rival in like six different sports, and it was fantastic. So there, there you go. I've got one more pitch for the Discord before we get out of here. So if you're watching on Twitch, if you're watching YouTube, whatever. If you follow us on Twitch, take a screenshot, direct message the Stampede SB and the house account on Twitter with your Twitch follow. We'll send you an invite to the Discord. What can you get in the Discord, you may ask? Let me show you. This just popped up while we were on the pod. We talked about where is Coach Golish? Where was his in and out? Is it a Texas one? Is it a California one? Is he visiting Jake One Smith? Where is, where is he? So here we go. A nice bit of info, a nice bit of sleuthing here by DW. Check out the location here from Coach Golish's latest tweet San, San Bernardino, California. Where's Jake One Smith from? Hmm. He's from San Bernardino, California. Interesting. Just those are the fun little facts you can get in Discord uh, and get a lot of info before it goes on to message boards and other sites that you're paying a lot of money every month for. We've got some guys that are getting it pretty quickly, pretty consistently, and first. So good stuff. I think Steve also said in there that Jaquan Smith followed Eddie Kelly on Instagram or some such thing. So here we go. Seems to be good news for Jaquan Smith. It really does. It really does. Um, my OnlyFans is not up and running yet. Um, it eventually. I mean, you can't you can't hide all of this forever. Um, but we'll see. Um, but that, I mean, that's pretty much it. I, we talked about the fun things we wanted to talk about. Um, let's. Let's do this again next week. We'll have another show this week, the USF Athletics Roundup, um, where Vito and Stieg will uh, deep dive into um, the week that was. And they'll touch on uh, some basketball stuff and tennis and track and field. I think you had a men, men's tennis win over the weekend. You had some other a, some other yeah, good things. A couple of men's tennis wins over the weekend, so that's uh, really good, really fun. Um, I, I will mention, uh, so women's tennis lost to Florida, but they, they were able to take a set off of Florida. That is massive because Florida is really, really good at tennis. It's That's what they do. So um, no OCS update as of yet. Um. There's stuff in the works for sure. Um, but uh, if you're in the Discord, you know uh, the Live Oak had a, a nice little recap for us. Um, Steve has some information as well. Uh, it's heading down the right path, and we'll we'll get it sorted. They haven't officially signed the contracts for everything, but we're we're heading in the right direction. So. Once again, thank you, Coach Prime. Yeah, I, I mean, he that the I, the delay is probably making those changes architecturally that he recommended. Um, I've heard him say he is a builder, so 
He recommended, obviously, some changes to some things, and they had to make sure they got those through the Army Corps of Engineers, get that approval, um, that kind of thing. So that's probably the delay. But uh, one more pitch for the Discord. Guys like the Live Oak has a ton of great info. Sean, who I'm sure all of you guys follow on Twitter at alumni underscore USF for recruiting stuff, has a ton of great info. Uh, There's a lot of guys on there with good information. I think we'll have some pretty good information on stadium stuff whenever it's available. So join up. There are a lot, a lot of good, a lot of good guys in there, and definitely worth the investment of uh, a Twitch follower right now. Yep, absolutely. Well, for Seth, I have been Nathan. Thank you for tuning in, watching, joining. Make sure you like, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitch, follow us on Twitter at Stampede SBN. At Seth Barnador, at Bulls Nathan, SBN. Uh, get your USF fix here. Uh, lots of good stuff going on. I'm excited for the future. We got some uh, fun stuff happening on Thursday for us, Seth, that hopefully will be, yes. uh, hopefully that works out well for us uh, in the future for some fun things uh, for you guys. Uh, we got things in the works. 2023, baby. It's the, the year of uh, the Daily Stampede. Um, we'll say shout out to all the SB Nation accounts that got uh, killed uh, this week. Uh, I'll, I'll say feel terrible for the MLS and the NHL team sites that got killed. Uh, Rod Charge, um, the Lightning site uh, got killed, and I think they're they're done March first. Um, if it wasn't for the Philadelphia Union's SB Nation site, we wouldn't have Morgan as a photographer. Um, so. Oh, man, this sucks. They had such a good thing and didn't know what to do with it because they don't know who Nick Saban is. So mm. here we are. Um, but be sure to uh, check out some of the other sites. I know there uh, people will be doing something. Um, and I, I feel terrible for those folks. And somehow we still make it through. Um, but don't tell them that I, I think we're we're at this. We at this point, we've got to be a clerical error on their on their side um but for now thank you seth for doing this your doll your dreamboat um have a wonderful night be safe go bulls go bulls